0: This is the pod on podcast. We're your hosts, TJ Bonaventura. That's me and Julian Lewis. That's me. As founders of a podcast media company, we had to start a podcast. So join us each episode as we and our guests drop knowledge on podcasting for you, the curious and scrappy podcaster. Welcome to the Pod On Podcast. We're really excited for our guest today. We have the host of the Big Swing Podcast, Cooper Searles and Ross Stripling. Welcome on, guys. How's it going? Yeah, awesome to be here, man. Thanks for having us. I'm very excited to have you on. Julian is very excited to have you on because, Ross, I actually don't know if you know this or not, but you, when you came on with, with Rich, you guys were the first people to record in the studio at Studio Pod way back when, almost a year ago. So it's kind of come full circle here.
1: Yeah, pretty special, man. I got to see kind of the genesis of StudioPod, right? And see you right when you were getting started and didn't even hardly have furniture yet. And I can tell from your background now, it's you know, very different from that room I recorded the Rich Hill Pod in. Really cool to see, man, I guess. in heck, less than a year, you've done some pretty awesome work and got that thing up and running. It looks great. So uh, pretty cool that I can say I was the first
0: one. And then not far after that, Cooper, you came in, you kind of got to see the transition as we went through too. So it's exciting to have both you guys here and talk about just podcasting in general and you know your genesis as co-host and what you guys have learned. And then as always, I have Julian, my co-host and co-founder of StudioPod. Julian, do you want to go ahead and say hi? Of course. Yeah. Hey, guys, I think I'm stoked
2: to have you all on because, you know, like hearing your initial podcast that was recorded at StudioPod, I also was a client of TJ's. And so that kind of legitimized the white walls that were in that room uh, when I first walked in there, but like the quality was there. But I really enjoyed listening to that episode that y'all had with Rich Hill's really powerful episode. And it was great for y'all to capture that story. And I've definitely listened to a handful of episodes since.
3: Yeah. I mean, you talk about it kind of being special for y'all that we were the first podcast there, but we always talk about the opposite way. Like we listen, we think about Studio Pod in a special way because it was the Rich Hill episode where he was able to tell this incredible story, got emotional several times, and probably our most memorable podcast that we've done in, I think, 65, 66 episodes. So very, very cool stuff. And to do it with y'all was uh, was really neat.
0: Yeah, we we were super appreciative to have you guys. And we're lucky enough to have you guys take a chance to record with us. And hopefully in the future, we can have you guys in again. That'd be awesome. We need baseball to come back so I can come back to San Francisco, man. I know. We'll get you in, man. We'll get both of you guys in. So I want to get into it. Cooper, you mentioned 66, 65 episodes now, but I want to go way back to episode one and even before and just start talking about how the big swing came about. Like I know there was some sort of initial talk at a a Rockets game way back when, but what was that first conversation like? How long did it take from idea to, you know what, let's actually start recording and make this a thing?
3: Yeah. I mean, It was very quick. So we, like I said, we went to a Rockets game and we were just kind of talking about podcasts. And I said, man, I love them. I listened to a bunch of them. I gave Ross some recommendations and we kind of just organically said it like as a joke, like, hey, we should start a podcast. And our wives were both there and we went out after the Rockets game and they were encouraging us. And so I remember waking up in the morning and texting Ross and just being like, were we serious there? Like, are we actually doing this? And he was like, I think. I don't know. Let's do it. And I think, Ross, maybe within, what, 24, 48 hours, we were announcing it on social
1: media. Yeah, it did happen extremely quick. And, you know, it, it had kind of been talked about before in that Cooper was passionate about podcasts and I was not. I didn't know anything about him. When I'm riding in a car, I'm just listening to music or, or you know, something totally different for podcasts. Just wasn't on the scene at all. And Cooper's kind of started talking about, hey, check out Part of My Take, uh, check out some of the stuff on, um, I can never remember the dang guy's name, Cooper, you, t- uh, you just sold it. Oh, uh, The Ringer, yeah. The Ringer, yeah, the stuff on The Ringer, uh, revisionist history, and and just, I mean, I loved them all, and, you know, obviously Cooper was telling me the best ones to check out, and by the time we got to that Rockets game, I was probably I had listened to podcasts for six weeks by then, and was just like, dude, I love them. I, I want to be a part of it, and think about my network and the guys that I have around me in the locker room and, and the baseball side of stuff and then have Cooper's expertise of behind the scenes and the tech stuff that he's figured out and his passion for doing it. And it just kind of seemed like a no-brainer. And that's why it happened so fast. It was like, should we do this? Heck yeah, let's do it. And like he said, 48 hours later, we were recording episode
0: one and kickstarted the whole thing. And so did you guys really just think about having a mic in front of you and recording? Like, what was your setup like? Like, did you guys do anything around defining your audience and who was going to listen? Or were you just winging it?
3: Yeah, I mean, really winging it. I think that we knew we would have sort of a built-in audience through Ross and through the Dodgers. So we felt like we would at least get a few people to listen initially. But as far as like the organization of doing a podcast, I think that we just sort of based it on other podcasts that we enjoyed listening to. And we put our mic in our our faces. I remember the first episode and it was like a grind, like three or four hours to get through like 15 minutes of just like an intro pod. And we were like, I remember leaving that episode being like, this is going to be difficult. And now we sit down and we can grind 45 minutes out without even trying, you know? So it, it's crazy how quickly it's evolved, but it was
1: a grind there at first. I think we recorded it three different times, right? We recorded it, we listened to it. We said, oh, that stunk. Let's try it again. Recorded it. Listened to it. Be like, no, we can get better here. Recorded it again. And we're like, I mean, I guess it's okay. <laughs> like, you know, it was, it was a battle, man. Like you said, and I remember thinking the same thing. But, I mean, I, I think we just walked into Best Buy. At least I did. I bought a microphone. I mean, of some sort, I don't even remember the brand or what it was. And we just set it out in front of us, plugged it into Cooper's work computer. And we're like, we got to do something better than this. And, uh, it, we were like that really for a while. And, uh, once I left for spring training, a few weeks later is when we had to get creative
2: on how to figure it out remotely. What do you think it was that got y'all over the hump from like recording those first three and then realizing like, let's just put it out there and see what happens.
3: Yeah, that's a lot of anxiety putting out there initially. You know, I we didn't really anticipate or know how many people would listen and really those first few episodes once we started to get some pretty big time guests, they had some of our biggest listens, I think our biggest listens since we've been doing the podcast. So, it was definitely nerve-wracking and to listen to yourself back as the guy that's editing the podcast, it's absolutely brutal. So, um, you're totally critical of yourself. And like, I would bring up stuff to my friends. Like, I can't believe I said that. And they, they didn't even notice it, you know, but, um, so as far as getting over the hump, I think it was just trial and error, like finding out what programs, whether it be Skype or Zencaster. And I think TJ, you helped us out a lot on that, but, uh, trial and error, doing a lot of research and just finding out what works best with us, because it is unique. Ross is on the road a lot obviously with his career and then with my career, I'm traveling uh, about half the time too. So um, it's definitely different for us.
0: When you're thinking about the different programs and you're thinking about the setup and what your guys' roles are as co-hosts, like how how long did that take to figure out? Like, I'm sure you guys are buddies. So the conversation between you two would be, pretty smooth, but when you go in in front of the mic, you become someone different. You have a little bit different of a persona. Did you guys think about, like, who should be handling what types of questions or who should be addressing different topics? Can you talk about that a little bit? I think from the start, we
1: knew, or at least I knew, that Cooper was going to be the intro-outro guy, right? I mean, it just... He had that ability. He did it right off the bat. I mean, that was the first thing he killed from the start. It was like, hey, welcome to the Big Swing Podcast. This is, you know, Cooper Searles with my, what did you say, co-hosting podcast compadre. Podcast compadre. Yeah, like from, I mean, he just opened up with that. And I was like, heck yeah, you know, and uh, just let him run with that. As far as um, from there, man, you know, I remember thinking we wanted it to sound like just two guys kick back talking sports. And for a while, that's what our audio sounded like, and we needed to fix that big time. But I feel like we've kept that ability just to kind of banter back and forth. And when you have a guest in there, it's not—obviously, some of them are more interview style, but theoretically, we wanted to, if we had a guest, just to be three guys sitting out talking sports, right? And not just like, hey, man, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite memory? You know, that kind of stuff. We wanted it to be an open conversation, and obviously, that took time. But that was the structure from the start that I remember us kind of talking about and really wanting to pursue.
3: Well, and I think too, when we're interviewing a lot of athletes with Ross, obviously being a professional athlete, like I'm of course going to defer to him on the more like technical, you know, three, two count, what pitch are you throwing? You know, like stuff like that. I'm I'm obviously not going to be able to provide a lot of insight on that, but I think what I can do is just be a little bit goofier or, you know, say something that maybe a fan was thinking at home. And I think that that structure, we really never talked about, but I think it was just kind of understood.
2: I think that's the approach that TJ and I are trying to define with like the Pod On podcast, whereby I came to him as a client and he was kind of like that expert to help me get going. And so when we have guests like y'all on you know, I'm empathizing with y'all from a perspective of like, we're both podcasters trying to make this happen. Whereas like TJ's like kind of that expert voice that kind of like weighs in on like the strategies and and how you can go ahead and get started and, and continue with your podcast. So I guess one thing to consider
1: on our end is how TJ, you talked about, you know, oh, we're going to kind of chat here for about 60 minutes and cut it down to 40, 45 minutes of content. We've never really done that. I hear a lot of podcast people talk about that, But, you know, I'm not going to do that because my job's nuts. And Cooper is the guy that is the only guy as part of our two-man team that can do that. And he's got a real job. You know, so we basically turn the mic on and what you get is what you get. And yeah, he might go in and edit a little bit and stuff like that. But if we record 45 minutes, you're going to get 43 and a half of it. You know, and I've always wondered the guys that record 60 and cut down. I mean, there's that that takes a lot of time and effort and uh, props to you for
0: being able to do that, man. Thank you for saying that. And we kind of think about it as you want to cut it down if you need to focus your show or that episode on your target audience, right? And making sure that you still capture the authentic content in 60 minutes time, but not all of that is going to be really focused on your audience and what they're going to care about. So for us. We see our audience as a curious, scrappy podcaster, and that could be someone who's an individual who's getting started. That could be someone who lapsed and wants to get restarted. It could be someone who's an organization and wants to do it for their company, given you know, internal podcasts are growing and growing. So we want to make sure that we get them talking, our guests talking as much as we want and making sure it's authentic and then cutting it down to make sure it still fits in the mold of what we're trying to do for our audience. I think one thing that we're noticing is now there's over a million podcasts, literally over a million podcasts out there, and there's listenership is getting very uh saturated. Is how can we up the quality listener versus the uh higher quantity of listener?
3: Yeah. And I, I think there's really two things that I made the decision to not edit as much, is because one, when we have a lot of these athletes on that are our guests. Fans and listeners are so used to hearing the just regular, like coaches speak, general answer. And I think people want to hear Cody Bellinger say, uh, and have to think about it, not be perfect all the time. And then I think too, just feeling less insecure about what we're saying and feeling more okay with the fact that I said like four times in this sentence, you know what I mean? And I think you get more comfortable with that and you realize that people enjoy hearing that, at least for our setting
2: yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think there's the conversational type podcast, which you all have, and like ours we're we're focused on making it educational and so making sure that like we do cut it down to the things that the curious uh, scrappy podcaster is looking for. Um, but even with myself, like with my podcast couple collective, like I oftentimes go on rants where I'm talking to these couples about their relationships. And I want every single essence of that podcast to come to life because like if there is a moment that might be, A vulnerable moment that they forget that they're on a mic. I want to make sure that that's captured without just like focusing on cutting it down just to talk about that topic. So the way I'll do it makes perfect sense, especially because like to your point, like when somebody's in front of a mic being interviewed like by a major network, like they're going to be really short and concise and to the point. But when they're just sitting down with two buddies, like they're just going to have more of an open, real conversation.
3: Yeah, it's funny. Some of the best stuff that we get that doesn't make it in the podcast or when we're just talking before the podcast or right after we started recording. And there's so many moments where I'm like, man, that was so authentic that they just said that. But, you know, it's, when you press record, it is a different ball game.
0: So I wanna talk about, a little bit about, when you first got started, you're defining your cadence and how often you wanted to release. Because one thing that we constantly find with newer podcasters is, they get super ambitious, they have a conversation with themselves or with a co-host, much like you guys did at the Rockets game and start to think, we want to get this started. They get very gung-ho, but once they start to record, they realize they can't keep up with the release schedule. So a tactic that we always like to recommend is batch recording. And I think, Cooper, we have talked about this before, but recording, let's say, three or four or five episodes at a time or within a week's period, and then now you have, if you want to release on a weekly cadence, you now have five weeks worth of content that you're ready to release in the bank and then you can start recording more uh, regularly. Did you guys have any thoughts around that when you first got started and did you guys find a rhythm that that made sense to to do that?
3: Yeah, I would say that I'd say initially that we typically were trying to be as scheduled as possible like all right, who's our guest this week and then when are we going to post it? Who's our guest next week? When are we going to post it? Whereas like right now I think we have maybe 3 or 4 podcasts in the bank ready to go and that's made it super helpful for two guys that have full-time jobs and really aren't seeing any financial reward from this right now. So to prioritize that where you're having a schedule weekly um, is just, it's important. And I've, I've been really proud with how we've been able to do that. I mean, I thought going into it, there would be a lot of different moments where like, it just got crazy at work for me and we couldn't record for three weeks or vice versa. And I think we've been pretty consistent And maybe only missed a few weeks throughout the year plus we've been doing it.
1: Yeah, first I was a little skeptical about logging, you know, like five weeks ahead is quite a bit of time in the baseball world. You know, if I record, um, I remember, I think we sat on the Cody Bellinger one for maybe a little bit and I was worried that, you know, his MVP race would go maybe downhill or, you know, God forbid he gets hurt or whatever. And then I'd feel bad about putting my teammates podcast out there, you know, so I remember not really wanting to sit on them too long but now i've gotten more and more comfortable because i think we've we've learned that if one if we're going to post it soon we stay current and talk about what's going on right now and if it's not going to be one that we post super soon then we keep it kind of broad and that way if we do talk something super current like i uh, know we released a David Dahl one and we recorded it weeks ago and he went on to do this MLB the show video game tournament and he's already like lost and been kicked out. And on our podcast, we're talking about, you know, what's your strategy going to be like going into it? You know, so anyone that really knows both of those things is gonna be like, hey, this was recorded a month ago, <laughs> you know. So I do worry about people that pick up on that, but
2: really it it hasn't been much of an issue. In terms of like preparing your guests for that, like one, how do you prepare them to come on your show? And then what is the expectation that you do set in terms of like when it's going to be released in your world where like you are talking to public figures? are there restrictions in terms of what they allow for you to do and not do?
1: Sure. you know. So a lot of them are my teammates, right? Let's say we've done 66 episodes like Cooper talked about. I bet 15 to 20 of them have either been Dodger teammates or Dodger related, whether it's like our broadcaster or something like that, right? So luckily I have a good friendship with pretty much everyone that's come on from the Dodger side of it, where I can just kind of be really upfront with them and say like, hey, we're posting this, we're recording now and posting it in two days, or hey, we're recording this now and I'm not sure when we're going to post it. And they're always very comfortable with that. Now, where we've gotten some other guests are through like my agency, uh, who has, you know, uh, basketball, golf, and even people in like the acting realm. And those people want much more defined dates before they share their contact information. You know, for instance, an NBA player, who I'll leave, I guess, nameless, didn't want to exchange phone numbers with me until we nailed down an absolute date of when we are going to record. And once we did that, then we exchanged phone numbers. I sent him a text and said, hey, bud, uh, this is Ross Stripling from the Dodgers. I'll text you again next week when we plan on recording, just as a reminder, and I'll talk to you then. He responded, okay. You know, a week later, we synced up. So it just kind of depends on, I guess, the person a little bit and how, I don't know, maybe they view privacy and want to stay private and that kind of stuff. But for the most part, it's been pretty easy. I guess I can, sorry, I'm getting long-winded, but as an athlete myself and somewhat of a public figure, like I view myself as a human being. Like when someone wants to ask me to be on their show, I'm excited and happy to do it. And if I agree to do it, here's my email, here's my phone number. Let me know when you're ready and I'll be there.
3: And, but I would say Ross too, you know, not everyone is like you that's in your position and rightfully so, like I totally get it. You know, they're, hounded every single day before games, after games, during practice with media requests. And the idea that they want to spend 45 minutes with us may be questionable, especially if they don't previously know us. So I think that we've proved that we're not going to put people in a position that's like going to make them look bad or anything. And, uh, you know, we're pretty easy to talk to, I would say, generally. So I think people, once they do come on, uh, we haven't had any issues with people being upset with what what came out or when we posted, it or anything like that.
0: I wanna quickly transition and talk about challenges. I think one thing that I've always appreciated about your podcast is you guys, whether the quality was as good as it could have been when you first started to where it is now, you guys have always released the content and it shows that content and what you guys talk about matters and you're gonna get listeners if you're really engaging as co-hosts. But I'm sure there have been times where maybe you guys weren't on your A-game as co-hosts or interviewers or like the quality wasn't there. I'd love for our listeners to know like, some of those things that you face, because I think ultimately what we put out there is going to be a finished, polished product, if you will. But behind the scenes, there's going to be some tough times. I remember one specifically, Cooper, was this spring training
1: um, where I had had a weird day at the field. I think maybe I'd thrown a bad bullpen or or something. I just didn't like my day at the field. And we were going to talk about, I had almost gotten traded to the Los Angeles Angels. And that trade fell through and it was a huge topic, right? I mean, it was, we got Mookie Betts and David Price, like these mega stars. And I was in that trade and then not in that trade. It was like something that I was going to be able to talk about firsthand that most people don't get to really share, right? Like I went through a massive trade and I get to talk about it and I just had bad energy. And I think I kind of like ran off on Cooper a little bit too. He had kind of weird energy and we still grinded through 30 minutes of both of us knowing like this is terrible. And we got done and we texted each other and we were like, but I think Cooper might have said it first, like, dude, that was awful. We have to do that again. And I was like, I agree. I don't and I think we waited till the next day when I, you know, woke up on the right side of the bed and was in a good mood. And uh, you know, sometimes, you know, life happens. You're just not in a good mood, and that's gonna come out in your podcast. Like, if I had a bad day, I'm not gonna all of a sudden sound super excited to talk about whatever it is is on the you know, docket that day. And that one I remember specifically. For whatever reason, we just kept going despite knowing how just blatantly awful it was. Yeah, I remember that was the exact example I was going to
3: use. I remember right after the episode, I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and just start grinding through and editing this podcast. And I got like through 10 minutes and I texted Ross, like, man, this is not good. Like, you, you didn't sound good. I sounded mad. I like it just didn't sound good. We, and we've had a couple times like that, but I think we've had, the like self awareness to look back and be like, hey, let's just take a day. We got a little time. Let's just redo it tomorrow. And when we did redo it, I remember it turning out really, really good. I think a big part of that was, you know, you'd went through all the stuff with the trade. So obviously you were stressed out. And then the idea that the podcast was in limbo. So I probably was a little bit stressed out too. And I think it came out on the podcast whenever some real life stuff is is going on. It's not that always easy to talk about what Patrick Mahomes did last Sunday, you know?
0: You can't edit attitude, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I,
2: I love that story too, because TJ and I have been recording on Sundays for the Pod on Podcast. And like we meet on Tuesdays, we meet on Thursdays, like we're really trying to do something with the studio pod thing. And on Sundays, we're like wiped out and we could tell like that our energy levels are low. And so I think the the second time we recorded was the first week that The Last Dance was coming on. And, you know, TJ's handle is TJ for three, which I haven't seen him on the court yet. So I don't know how legit that is. But like, um, we started talking about that and I'm a huge Jordan fan. He's obviously a huge uh, hoops fan and that helped to get our energy levels up. But with the other ones, I think just being self-aware of the fact that like, Hey, today's just not our day. or we like, we've already recorded this. Let's just go back and do it again when we do have that energy or we have, you know, what our listeners are used to hearing on the mic.
3: Yeah. No, I think too, just personally for our podcast, like. When Ross and I started it, we were definitely friends, but I would say that, like, we were not like close friends by any means. I mean, we, our wives were best friends. So we had hung out a lot just through them, but like, just individually, we didn't hang out a lot. So I think over the course of the 66 episodes, like, we've been like growing our friendship and learning things about each other and how we work and everything. So there's been a kind of a, while we're recording and growing this podcast, we're also growing our friendship. So yeah, there's
1: been some things like that. It's weird that you've seen it that way because that's not how it's been for me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Just> <laughs> well, I, well, I was never, I'm still not friends with you. That's yeah, a, that's a we
1: need another 66 back. before we're there. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so I do want to talk about remote recording. Then we'll go there for a second because obviously you guys both travel for work. Ross, you're constantly on the road in, in large stints. What was it like getting that set up? I know... It seems that you guys were doing it perhaps like in a lot of hotel rooms. Like, did you care about the quality at that point? Where, where was your focus and how were you getting set up? Like, how did you guys communicate with each other? Like, and I know you were using Skype. There was that whole genesis of, okay, figuring out how to do it remotely. Like Ross, can you talk to getting that set up and someone who's not technical, like what was that learning curve? Well, the learning curve
1: was whatever Cooper told me to do, right? It was a learning curve. We were trying where we just put a microphone in the middle of two people and would just hope it would pick up, you know, and then you kind of, based on whatever room you're in, kind of depends on the audio, right? Because you're bouncing sound on different things in your room. Um, And, you know, some of those were just awful. And then we figured out how to get multiple mics. We bought this little thing where you could plug in multiple mics and then that would plug into your computer. And we had more issues with that thing. It was supposed to be so cut and dry, and we, you know, it it just never was. For whatever reason, we couldn't get the levels right. Sometimes it wouldn't pick up both mics. That was a kind of a disaster from the start. Uh, and then what happened was we did a podcast with C.J. McCollum, who's a shooting guard for the Portland Trailblazers, and he pulled out this little bitty handheld Zoom recorder that was kind of where it all changed for us uh, when we saw that and he just explained how he used it. And from there, that's been an absolute game changer for us. But yeah, we, we kind of tried everything under the sun for the remote. I mean, we did Zencaster. We we've tried just about everything. And this zoom uh, remote, I guess, recorder has, has by far been our best option.
3: Yeah. I would say initially like, to put it frank like it drove me nuts the quality of it because i do listen to a lot of podcasts and i really care about the quality like the when i hear podcasts with low quality audio like i'm almost out immediately and uh so yeah it, it drove me crazy but like my level of knowledge on what to do was just not there yet to to figure it out and so we kind of just had to play it by ear and as far as like re- reporting recording remotely You know, I knew that I knew a little bit more than Ross knew. So I didn't want to put like too much on his plate. So we're like, okay, let's put a mic in the middle and see how this works. And it worked fine. But on the editing process, you know, I couldn't control Ross's voice versus Cody Bellinger's voice. Like if, if Ross was talking loud and he was talking quiet and, you know, to not have multiple audio channels where you can edit and play with it is just a nightmare in the editing process, which you know.
2: So I guess with that editing piece, it sounds like now that you all are essentially putting your intro and your outro on and sometimes you have like a an ad read in between, is that the extent of the editing that you're doing today? Or it sounds like the you've learned your way to control the audio, but like what's the editing that you're doing now?
3: Yeah, I would say that's typically it. I would say initially for the first half of the episodes, we were doing a significant amount more editing just in the actual podcast. Like I said, we just weren't as secure with what we were saying, and we wanted it to sound perfect. And I think we realized that that's not why people are listening. So we've toned down the editing there, but you know we figured out some ways to add ads in the middle of the podcast, so that's required a little bit more work. But I still think, even if you're not editing fully throughout the podcast, as the person that is editing, I think it's your responsibility to go ahead and listen to the whole thing just to ensure that there's not a slip-up somewhere or um, you know someone's microphone went out. So um, the process is still long aside from not editing as much.
1: I think for a while, Coop, weren't you going in and literally highlighting the word um and deleting it in some like drastic ones? Yeah, he would go in and, you know, physically find the word um and
0: delete it. Yeah, that's a good little transition. So what is your process of editing today then? What tools are you using? How long does it take you? This is not meant to bring in StudioPod at all, but I'd love to know, have you considered outsourcing some of that to, to free up some of your time?
3: Yeah, I would say at the moment, I think we have enough time, just enough time to record and for me to edit and put out. But there has been so many times where I've reached out to you, TJ, just for advice. Like, you know, what do I do here if it sounds like this? Or this audio didn't pick up as well as the other one. What do I do? And the idea of of using someone like you would just be exponentially easier for us. Because although I do know a little bit about this and learned a lot, you know, I just... I don't have the time and and resources to put that much knowledge into it. So, it's been difficult and I I think that there's a lot of room for us to improve still.
1: Yeah, so TJ of the, you know, million plus podcasts that you mentioned, I got to think the vast majority of them are just buddies or someone in their room talking into a microphone right that can't afford to outsource uh, their audio, what, you know, what are you guys, and I guess I'm turning the script here, like what, what do you guys recommend to people like that? Just to Joe Blow, who's talking sports in his room at night, you know, what can he do to make his audio better?
0: Yeah. So I think there's a lot of things that you can do to make the audio better. Right. And the dirty little secret that few people know, it's less about the mic that you have. It's more about the condition or the environment around you right? So as much as you can soundproof that, so that's why you often see people recording in like a, a closet with a lot of clothes because it can, it can condition the room naturally. But what we always like to talk about is, and I want to turn this to Julian because he actually went through this process is the time benefit or the cost benefit of what you could be doing with your time. If you did decide to outsource it, because one thing that we tend to to see is podcasting, it's not easy, but it doesn't have to be right. Like there are certain things that you can do yourself there are some examples of where you can turn to other people so that way you can free up your time to get more listenership. And I think Julian has a good story of when he got started and how we got connected.
2: Yeah. I think for, for me in particular, being that it was just me recording and then interviewing couples, like my entire Sundays were spent editing and it was just a time suck for me. So I did commit to saying that, like, I'm going to invest some dollars in outsourcing this because it's necessary. But like right now, you know in an ideal world i'd be sitting next to tj in the studio and we'd be having this conversation but now i'm at home i have my my blinds drawn i'm in front of a window which is definitely not ideal but i got these like select blinds which is not an ad and like they actually ca- like they actually block out the sound so i sound a little bit better but i with my podcast i set a goal that i wanted to make it something more than just like stories of couples and their relationships like i eventually want to get to a point where i can get couples out in the wild doing retreats and doing things like that and in order for me to like spend the time to do so, like I just can't be editing. And so that's why I outsource it. So I think understanding like what the ultimate goal of that podcast is, is key to like helping like somebody who is currently trying to figure it out at home, like what they want to ultimately do with it. But I guess segueing from that, I guess I'd love to understand like, what are your aspirations with the the podcast? It sounds like, you know, from a revenue perspective, you do have advertisers and so you're able to make some money there, but... Is it just to put out great content and great stories from these athletes and people that you're capturing stories from? Or do you have aspirations kind of beyond that as well? I think for one, Cooper and I's personalities, if we're
1: going to commit to something, we want it to be successful, right? And we've kind of said that from the start, like if we're going to do this, it's not for fun, like we're going to try and be successful and try and build it into something. And, And we're always trying to do that now. You know, you have time constraints. We both have jobs. That kind of stuff is definitely part of it. There's no doubt about it. But I think that we have really, I don't know, we've kind of battled to figure out exactly what we want to do. I mean, we we made hats as Cooper has one on right now. And, you know, you make like merchandise and stuff like that. You really push it and try and sell it. Do you I don't really necessarily know what the growth potential is of a podcast. We think that we have as good a guest as anyone around in the sports world. Yet we struggle to really, really grow as fast as we feel like we can. And, you know, I remember when I first started this or we first started this, what I wanted to do was I wanted to get my teammates to open up because I'm used to seeing Cody Bellinger give the, you know, take it one day at a time kind of answer. And I I know the real Cody and he's unbelievable and he's a goofball and he's one of the funnier guys that I've ever met. And I wanted to give people an opportunity to hear that. But as far as the podcast itself, I think that we've really, you know, we've never sat down and like brainstormed like, dude, a year from now, this is our goal. Five years from now, this is our goal. We kind of take it almost like week to week.
3: Yeah, I think we're kind of in a unique spot because we do have to constantly remind ourselves that like, hey, we got into this with no expectations. So like, if this is what it is, and this is what it ends up being, like, we got to be happy with that. But at the same time, like Ross said, like, we just... Our personalities. If we're going to do something, we're going to try to do it right, and so it it is a grind to figure out what the next path is because I think we don't necessarily know where we're personally going to be at in a year. You know, I may be at a different job where like I just can't commit the time, or Ross may get traded, and, and just you know the podcast falls off. You know, so. For us to plan a year and ahead is just is just difficult. But I would love for us to have some clarity on where we're going. But again, it it's there's
2: so much uncertainty. I think when you reference back to the million, you know, we talk about pod fade and I think a lot of it does land in that realm of like there's situations that happen which co-hosts can't necessarily get together or um, just life kind of gets in the way. And so, I mean, I definitely think that y'all have a great platform that you're starting that's going to really grow into something um, that can be beyond just like you two on on the microphone. But I think that is like the base of it and continuing to just continuing is going to get you uh, where you ultimately want to land. So
1: I totally agree with you, Julian. And I, I, I just, you know, so you, your advice is to basically keep plugging away, like just keep, just keep doing it. But as far as you say, it'll grow into something else. So do you wait for someone to come to us and say like, hey, we like what you're doing. Why don't you try this? Or like, we need to see what those avenues are to grow it into something else. Like we did our first live event. It was a blast. But now how do we pursue other live events? Do we just keep DMing companies about sponsorships, about live events? You know, it's just, you know, as far as direction, I think that's where we kind of lack
2: is we need someone to steer us. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, I love about this space in general. And the reason why TJ and I interact so often, I think I mentioned we, we meet three times a week is because we're always trying to figure out, okay, like we have a podcast studio, but like we want it to be more than that, which is why we then created a podcast. We can't have a studio and not have a podcast. Like that just sounds crazy, right? But beyond that, and my background is from the marketing world. And it's like, you mentioned live events. Like I think that's gonna continue to be so huge for podcasts because not only seeing you two in person, like you're the people who love listening to you and also having your guests kind of come on and do that. And like figuring out like, how can you activate around like an all-star game, for instance, like studio pods in San Francisco, we have arguably one of the best sports franchises right there. And a lot of other great ones in like baseball, hockey, and all those things. Like how can we activate and let them know, like anytime you have a guest in town, come to studio pod 2021 all-star games there. But I, I think around your sports specifically, like being able to capture the stories in all the different cities that you go to and potentially, and obviously your schedule might not permit you doing a live event around a game, but figuring out the moments in which you can, I think that alone is going to help to accelerate you. And then people are going to see the merchandise and all those things and start to realize that it's a brand. It's not just a podcast, which I think that's what exactly
0: what you're building. And I think... You know, when it comes to growth, it's it's one of the number one questions we get. Like, number one, how am I going to make money from this? Or number two, how do I get people to listen to it? And they kind of go hand in hand. And the thing that we always recommend is leveraging the network if you're going to have guests on. Right? If you have a guest who's that you don't know, giving them time to plug anything that they're doing. And then making sure that they're comfortable with like resharing something on Instagram or Twitter where they may have a large following. That's a natural and organic way to to get a larger audience and more listeners. And from there, once you start to get that over time, then you can embrace sponsorships. A lot of hosting platforms out there. I think you guys are using Anchor today, right?
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So... Using Anchor, so you can get those those stats, and then you can share those with sponsors and say, "This is our growth that we've seen over the sixty five, sixty six episodes. We're looking for for help to push a brand or an item or product that matches who we are as as co hosts and as a show. Because you don't you want to make sure that you're getting something that's aligned with what you guys are talking about, and you don't want to be too ad heavy either. How about the idea, TJ? That I love the stock market. I love to
1: invest. Typically, if you buy stock X Y Z and you put money into it and you let it ride and you let it be consistent, it'll make money over time, right? That's what the stock market has proven. I think that we're kind of selling the idea that if you just keep plugging away, you're going to grow. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. Like, I don't know if, if you go do 100 episodes that you're going to have more listeners on episode 100 than you did on episode 20. Uh, you know, you can't necessarily guarantee that. So there's got to be other ways. I don't know what they are, obviously, or else we'd be doing them. But, you know, it's it's just, I don't like saying... They're promising people that when they ask me, it's like, yeah, just keep plugging away because people will come. You know, this isn't Field of Dreams. It's not necessarily true. But obviously, that is the best way to do it. Be consistent, put good stuff out there, and people will come. But some people obviously really struggle to find that content. And this
0: is full circle of what we were talking about a little bit earlier in Julian's story of where he decided to, instead of spend the time editing, he now spent that time creating more of a marketing around the couple collective. So creating more social posts, creating newsletters to, to gain more people, maybe even put some ad dollars behind it, like SEO type things to, to grow the business or I call it a business, but essentially sometimes podcasting is, is a business, especially if you get more sponsor reads and more ads involved, because now you are generating revenue from it. So I know Julian, I I think that's a good approach that you took.
2: Yeah. Uh, while y'all were talking, I just went to your your uh, Instagram. And one of the things that I've noticed that more recently, like with one single piece of content, you now have like four or five posts to promote it. I think that's a way to evolve for people to continue to not just say like, Hey, we have a new podcast out and that's it. And we've seen that from some of our folks, but continuing to take a clip of it and add that into your your Instagram stories and start to do that. And that's another reason why I was like, okay, I need to Make sure that the editing is happening elsewhere so I can focus on this. Trying new things, live events. So, as you mentioned, Ross, like if you build it, they will come. Like, it's not going to happen unless you're trying new things and finding new places in which your content is landing. And I would even argue, like, how can you start to expand like your guests that are still aligned with what your are the stories that you're capturing, but even guests that, you know, might be adjacent to the sport of baseball. And it sounds like you're getting entertainers as well as other athletes from sports that are within your network. And I think that is like huge because now you're not only getting somebody who is the baseball fan, but also the larger sports fan when you're starting to do those cross things like that. And so continuing to experiment and try like where you're seeding your content that you're continuing to build, that's going to help to start to expand it. And then, you know, figuring out like, I know you're on the younger side of your baseball career but like how does it evolve beyond just like your career as well and like thinking about some of the old timers and what they're doing now to really cement themselves and like one of my favorite athletes is lebron james and i love lebron james not just because of what he does on the court but what he does like beyond that and like capturing like more of more of those stories because like like life after baseball unfortunately is like going to be a real thing but continuing to expand where you're seeding your content i think is going to help for y'all to evolve
3: Well, and I think too, for anyone that's listening that wants to start a podcast or is new to it, it's important to step back and like look at it from a further place. Because when you're in it and you're recording every week and you're editing, you're posting everything, you tend to like feel like things need to be happening quicker than they are. But I think for us, when we do step back, when the few times that we are able to do that, we start to think, man, we've done pretty much an episode weekly for the last year year and a half and we never thought we'd do that man we've gotten x amount of these great guests we've had multiple mvps on our podcast like that's stuff that we need to to take stock of and be proud of but i think ross and i's personality we just are not the type of people that really look back and do that we're always kind of looking forward but it is important to think like we have came a long way and now that we have this base of knowledge and expertise, like we can continue to grow through that.
1: And one thing I thought I heard you kind of touching on a little bit, Julian, might be not to pigeonhole yourself a little bit, right? Like when we first started, we sat down and we said, hey, this is not going to be a Dodgers podcast, you know? And and really, we might be 10 times more successful than we are right now if we are were a Dodger podcast. If we just did Dodger content twice a week, Dodger guests only. And, um, you know, we just... I think des- we would be. Yeah, and yeah. we just decided not to go down that path because. You know, we wanted to, as Cooper said, we wanted to talk to other walks of life, other sports, whatever, you know, whatever piques our interest that week, that month. And I'm so glad we did that because I think it's kept it interesting. It's kept our passion for it as opposed, I mean, I'm already in the Dodger locker room 10 hours a day. The last thing I want to do is go home and talk about it for another hour. Right. So, you know, I think that was one thing you're touching on Julian is, is don't pigeonhole yourself thinking you specialize in this one thing when really you might be passionate about something else.
3: Yeah, I think just being like true to whatever path you feel comfortable on, like we had an opportunity pretty early on to join The Athletic and have a Dodgers podcast. And we would have been making more money off the podcast than we are now. We've probably had more exposure. But in the end, we kind of made a decision like, you know, we're not going to be happy and we're not going to have as much fun talking about Dodgers baseball every single week for 45 minutes. And it it was a great decision, I think, in the long run for us to do that because We've had actors, we've had finance people, we've had a guy that does marble races just on our podcast. Like, And those have been some of our favorite podcasts, the the non-athlete ones.
0: And, and that goes back to Cooper. You said at the beginning of the podcast, like that's not your expertise. And if you're pigeonholing yourself, then you're limiting what you could be talking about. I'm sure there's been podcasts where you found yourself maybe talking a little bit more about something that you're passionate about and you were able to take more ownership of that particular show or episode. So it's, it's interesting that you guys decided to take that route because I feel like most people would go like and follow the dollars, but I appreciate that you guys have stayed true to yourselves and what you believe in. The one thing that you touched on, and I want to hit on it because it's something that Julian had mentioned is becoming more and more popular, is the live events. And you guys did one. I'd love to go through the process of what that was like, how that came about, how it was different from a normal podcast and if you'd want to do it again. Definitely want to do it again. It was a blast. And
1: it's an adrenaline rush. It's totally different, man, when you got 100 people staring at you and and, uh, waiting to see what's going to come out of your mouth. Uh, We were very, very lucky to get in with Baseballism early as a sponsor, and they seemed very, very happy to get in with our podcast. So we've been lucky to work with them. And one of the first things they mentioned was, you know, hey, if you ever want to do a live event, we'd love to have you. And I remember that was, we might have only been 20 episodes in at the time. And I remember thinking like, that's way over our head right now. You know, we are not ready for that. Let's just stick with this 30 second ad read and see where we go, you know. And every time we kept kind of renewing advertisements, they kept saying, you know, hey, we got stores in in LA, San Francisco. There's one in Phoenix during spring training. If you ever want to do a live event, let us know. And I think one day I just kind of told, said, Cooper, like, let's do it. You know, let's, let's explore what it is and what they're looking for it to be and let's pursue it. And kind of got the ball rolling really quickly. And before we know it, we had it planned for spring training, maybe like six weeks in advance. We knew we had it on the docket and I got more nervous every day leading up to that thing because I mean, I can pitch in front of 50,000 people, but talking in an intimate setting like that is more nerve wracking.
0: And baseballism, just to make sure everyone, our listeners know what that is, that is a, it's a shop, right? So they're an online, they
1: started as an online, basically brand selling t-shirts and they make these crazy soft t-shirts. They fit athletic built people that, you know, kind of like a Lululemon or an Adidas or, or whatnot. And they make these really cool shirts. And then they started opening up storefronts. I think they have maybe 10 or 11 storefronts across the nation, mostly centered around baseball facilities, whether it's stadiums or spring training. Their stuff's awesome. Everything I've ever gotten, I love it.
3: The biggest thing too, where we were weary about the planning, like we just didn't know how the setup was. And even weeks leading up to it, when we did confirm, like I remember I had like a oh shit moment where I was like, all right, I don't know if we need a speaker or do we need a stage? What microphones are we going to use? And so the idea that we planned all that and pulled it off, I was very, very proud of us because we had no expertise in that. And I do think figuring out all the podcast equipment and just on a smaller scale,
1: like made me less nervous
3: tackling that as a live event. So.
1: And we didn't know whether we were supposed to sell tickets. We didn't know how many people were coming. We had no idea. We didn't know if eight people were going to be there or 800. We originally had just in turn and this, the one in Arizona is tiny. I mean, I think we had 90 something people show up and it was packed. So once we went and saw it in person, we're like, hey, we got to limit this in case it kind of is bigger than we expect. And we had Justin Turner as our original guest. And Justin Turner is beloved in Los Angeles, rightfully so. He's an unbelievable human being. But Justin Turner would have brought 2000 people to that event. And we could have we didn't know what we would do. So we ended up canceling Justin Turner and just doing it ourselves. And it ended up being perfect. We got really lucky. Uh, But it was it was very much learning on the fly with that thing, because we just Like I said, we'd never done it before.
3: And now that we have done it, I think we feel fully confident because it went well and we figured out the technical side of it. I thought Ross and I eased into it really quickly. It was funny the podcast we did before, Ross was kind of giving me a hard time. He was like, Man, I don't know if you're prepared for this. Do you realize what we're about to do? He was like, I pitch in front of 50,000 people, I do interviews all day. You've never done anything like this. So, but I felt like we eased into it good. I think it was nice because everyone that was there was already familiar with our conversations. They listened to our podcast. They love Ross on the field. So it was kind of a stacked deck, but I think that's part of what a live event is for.
0: And did you guys see any sort of like uptick from there? Or like, what was the result of that?
3: I think that what I determined from that was like, the there was less variance in our listeners going forward. Like the people that went and the people that followed it on social media are gonna be loyal and listen to us forever. And because they feel a certain connection, meeting us, taking pictures, seeing us in person. So I think uh, from a loyalty standpoint, it was huge.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that spot on. And I think it kind of put us on the map to look out for ones moving forward, right? Where I think we mentioned on podcasts after that or maybe during the live podcast that we wanna keep doing them. We wanna do them in Los Angeles. You know, If Cooper can fly out, we wanna do them every year at the Baseballism store in Phoenix if we can. And I think it just gave, you know, something for people to look forward to as another chance to come meet us, come see it live and in person and and get a feel for, you know, what recording a podcast looks like.
3: Well, and I think it was ammo for future sponsorships and stuff to say like, look what we've put on. We brought a hundred plus people into this store and we were pretty good at it. And I think that that was some good ammo for us because before that, we didn't really have anything to offer.
2: That's awesome. I love to hear that. One thing that I would love to do and y'all have given so much valuable content that we can share, you know, with that curious scrappy podcaster, but if there was like one last piece of advice that you'd give the curious scrappy podcaster, what would it be? And maybe each of you separately.
3: I would say the biggest advice I would give is just press record and post it. You just got to break the seal at some point. It's nerve-wracking. You're not going to be great initially. You will improve. Uh, Ross and I have improved just tenfold and I think our ability to conversate if you have a co-host that's gonna also improve so don't get discouraged too soon and just keep grinding make make a goal for yourself and make sure you have an episode every week or whatever that goal is and just do it it's it is attainable you do have time to do it so just do it
1: yeah well said I would obviously say all that as well um, I guess if I had another thing to add to it, it would be do it do what you enjoy, right? Don't do what you think people want to hear. Don't do what you think is the popular path to take. You know, it, it's not going to be fun to do an hour a week talking about something you're not passionate about. So do it as, find something that you are passionate about, pursue that and do it as long as it still brings you joy and it makes you happy because, I mean, that's what it's really about. If, if it blows up, great. If you make money, great. But if it brings you joy an hour of your week, that's, I mean, that's all there that you need to know.
3: I think, too, it's like you said, Ross, like for a lot of people and even for us at our level, it's really just a hobby. And it's just like someone that loves to go play golf or go fishing. Someone can have a hobby of podcasting and spend money and invest in that just for themselves. And I think that's also important.
0: Thanks for joining. You guys were the first people in the studio. So we had to have you on as guests. Please, if you guys don't mind, tell the audience where they can find you.
3: Yeah, you can find us on anywhere you listen to your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're called the Big Swing Podcast. My name is Cooper Searles. And then Ross is a pitcher for the Dodgers. We've been doing it for about a year and a half now. We're on social media at Big Swing Podcast. And then we also have a website, BigSwingPodcast.com. So we talk about sports. We've had actors on there. We have financial people. So pretty much everything with a focus on sports. And uh, we really appreciate you coming to listen. Hold on.
0: Every episode of the Pod On podcast is produced and edited by Studio Pod Media. For more information about our work and our clients, go to Studio Pod Gary